yeah, you're not going to forget that one. And uh, I said that to say this, the uh, student team uh, in kind of in faith and in belief for uh, the revival that our youth is going to see in Jesus' name. Uh, they felt it, it would be appropriate uh, to keep the students in the sanctuary to be able to learn how to pray their friends through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I think that'd be a good thing. And um, amen. 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 So at this time, we're going to dismiss our children and our children's team. God bless them. We love and appreciate them. And uh, the rest of you, if you would, why don't you just take a few minutes and get down the aisles and greet somebody, shake somebody's hand, welcome somebody to the house of the Lord, and we'll get into the teaching of the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Can we just lift our hands one more time and our voices and just give him praise. We love you, Jesus. Go ahead and lift your voice. Give him praise. Give him praise. We love you. 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 We give you glory and honor and praise. We give you glory and honor and praise. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I've already said, tonight's teaching is going to focus on uh, the 
proper way to pray for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, now, uh, this is probably, there's probably more that we could have put into here. There's probably some things maybe that I, uh, uh, you know, inadvertently have left out. Uh, but this, this hopefully will give us a, a, a good understanding of how to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. But not just the Holy Ghost, but how many know sometimes people need a breakthrough. Sometimes people just need a blessing from the Lord. And uh, so just some, just some keys, uh, some biblical thoughts, some ideas, some principles uh, for how, how to do that. And so how many know this kind of teaching is very important? And uh, it's, been, it's been several years uh, since we have taught on altar working. And I'm just so grateful that uh, we have such a good crowd here tonight uh, to be able to learn this. And uh, it's uh, obviously uh, this coming Sunday, uh, it, this teaching is important for this coming Sunday. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, our all-campus Holy Ghost service. We are believing God for a mighty outpouring and a mighty release of his glory and his presence. We're believing for many to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many already have faith to believe that? How many have an expectancy in your heart? Oh, hallelujah. Come with expectancy. Come with faith. Amen. Amen. But more than just coming with expectancy, come with somebody that needs the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do your best, absolute best, uh, to, to bring somebody, to invite somebody to the house of the Lord on this Sunday. So it's going to be great. But we're not just teaching this because of what's happening this Sunday. Because how many know there's going to be a Sunday if the Lord tarries after this Sunday? And a Thursday and a Sunday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And, and uh, we're going to believe that it's the will of God uh, for us to just continually. How many know in the book of Acts they were saved daily? Amen. If they did it then and if they saw that then, how many know we can see it now? I got a few of you to believe that. Amen. And so it is that uh, this teaching is important. Uh, because of what God is doing in our church, uh, the Lord is blessing this church, and uh, we this church is seeing growth, and He's blessing our church with uh, multiple guests and visitors. Uh, each Sunday, it seems like we have uh, more guests and more guests and different guests, and and uh, many of which respond in some form or fashion to the presence of the Lord. And as they respond, either in their pew or in the altar, how many know we need to be able to feel comfortable in praying for people? Amen. And uh, I know sometimes we're hesitant because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't know what the right thing is. And so hence the teaching tonight to try to bring some clarity, try to bring some understanding in order for all of us to feel more comfortable to pray for these individuals that God is sending to us. How many want to be as effective working the altars as you can possibly be? Amen. <clears throat> I want to be effective. I want to be an effective altar worker. And I know the Lord uh, is going to help us with that. Now, <clears throat> we got several things to discuss tonight. And I apologize for my voice, but we're going to get through this. And God's going to help us. We're going to try to go quick. Uh, this would be a great uh, a lesson to take some notes on so that you remember. If you want to have some notes, that'll be fine. The definition of altar working is, is simply to instruct, to assist, and or to lead the seeker to an experience with God. 
Amen. How many know that's our job? <clears throat> but how many know that the that our responsibility of helping them to experience God in an altar begins a long time before we ever get to the altar. Their experience and our help in that experience begins a long time before we ever get to this altar. Days and even weeks, if they're your friends or your family members, co-workers, days and even weeks before they ever step foot into this building, we would encourage you to be talking to them about the Holy Ghost, talking to them about the word of the Lord, talk to them about the promises of God. I mean, we are to be a witness. We are to be a witness. And a witness is just to do what, what you have seen and what you've heard. That's a witness, seen and heard. And so just begin to share with that person of how the Holy Ghost has changed your life. And how the Holy Ghost has changed your marriage and, and what you used to be and what you are now. I used to be this, but now I'm this. And, and hopefully they're going to be shocked at the transformation. <laughs> hopefully. Going to be shocked at the transformation. And, and, and they're going to be like, there's no way you were that way. And bring pictures of what you used to look like and, and things of what they used to do. And they'll be like, there's no way that you used to be that. Yes, and the only thing that changed it was the power of the Holy Ghost that I received. See, what you're doing is you're already setting up that altar experience for them. And again, as we often say, you don't even have to wait to get to the altar on a Sunday. I mean, how many know you can pray them right through in the, in the lunchroom at work or whatever it is, at your house or in the backyard. But, but uh, setting that up where you are preparing their hearts uh, by talking to them about the Holy Ghost and what the Holy Ghost has done for you. And, and uh, this is, this is uh, we're going to try to make this as practical as we possibly can tonight, okay? And so that's just a great way. Begin to talk to them about the Holy Ghost. Answer as many questions ahead of time that they may have as you possibly can. Instead of waiting to get here to start answering questions, answer as many questions as you possibly can. Ask them, man, what, what do you think about the Holy Ghost? Or what do you have, have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost? Or uh, what has been your experience with the Holy Ghost? And they're like, well, man, I've heard it's this, or I heard it's that, or I've always wondered this about the Holy Ghost. And you can begin to answer those questions ahead of time so that when they get here, they already have answers to these questions. Amen. And so... Uh, and so, so that's kind of what happens outside of the room. But then, and this is all of our responsibility, when it is church time, it is absolutely imperative that we are on time and we are plugged in to prayer service. Okay? To prayer service. Our attendance and our dedication to prayer in our prayer service Shows, hear me, it shows our level of interest and belief for what God is going to do in the service. If we don't show up, even though we could have shown up, if we don't show up to prayer service, it simply shows that we don't really care what happens in the service. I don't care enough about what's going to happen in that service to help make a difference. So I'm not just going to show up. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up tonight. I'm just trying to help us all understand the importance of all of this. 
okay? We don't, we don't necessarily believe anything good is going to happen. We're just coming to church. I'm just going to get there when it starts and whatever happens, happens, and then I'm going to go home and get on with my life. And, and, and those that don't show up, it's, it, 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 it lets us know that that individual doesn't really care what's going to happen in the service. And how many know it's not a good thing? And this person's altar experience, it starts by the atmosphere that we create in the prayer service. Oh, hallelujah. So if you care about their altar experience, then we need to be here for prayer service to create the atmosphere for this individual to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And when we show up, how many know when we show up for prayer, again, there's a difference between being in the room and being and praying. There's a difference between sitting in the sanctuary and praying. How many know when we need to pray earnestly and we need to pray with intensity? How many know there's a difference between kind of looking around, I love you, Jesus, hallelujah. There's a difference between that and God, we need your touch today and your hand to be upon this place today. I bind everything that is not of you today. How many know there's a difference when you're plugged in and there's an intensity of prayer and you're, you're, you're wanting to connect with the moving of the Holy Ghost and the moving of the Spirit of the Lord? When, when we're willing to do that and we, when we desire to get to that place in prayer, in prayer service, it shows that we care deeply about what is going to happen in the service. I care so deeply about the hurting people that are going to be in this room, the broken people that are going to be in this room, the addicted people that are going to be in this room, the suicidal people that are going to be in this room. I care so deeply for them that when it's time for prayer before all this happens, I'm going to, with intensity and with passion, I'm going to do what I have to do in order to create an atmosphere for that person to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost to be delivered, to be healed, to be set free, to receive what they need to receive from Almighty God. Prayer service is very, very important. Oh, hallelujah. The book would say it like this, James 5 and 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that they may be healed. Why? Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth just means produces much accomplishes much. We need to ask ourselves, what does our prayer look like in prayer service? I'm just going to kind of challenge some of us here today. But what does our prayer look like in altar service? How fervent is our prayer? If it is fervent prayers of a righteous individual that accomplishes much, then how fervent is our prayer? Because the word of the Lord has promised to us that fervent prayer accomplishes much. So how many know when we come for prayer service, there needs to be a fervency in our prayer? Oh, hallelujah. Don't, don't leave me up here all by myself tonight. There needs to be a fervency in our prayers. Oh, hallelujah. 
And how many, listen, and you know, I, I get everybody prays different and all that kind of stuff, but fervency shows up. You can see passion, right? And somebody said, well, it's just not my personality. No, it is. And you, if you get excited enough about something, it's going to show. I promise you it's going to show. And if it's going to show somewhere, how many know it should show up in prayer service? There should be a fervency. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, come Sunday, come Thursday, Sunday, prayer service, whatever it is, prayer meeting, Wednesday night prayer, revival, all this stuff, we need to ask ourselves, am I praying right now with a fervency? Is there an intensity about my prayer? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I just hoping somebody else prays with fervency in order to create an atmosphere? Or am I taking it upon myself to accomplish something in the spirit through my fervent prayer? Oh, hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I realize, and, and, and I just, I, just, I want to I talk to the church now. I realize I've, I've made some pretty strong statements even lately, the last couple of weeks, about prayer service. And that if, you know, I, I made the statement a couple of weeks ago that if you're in the room, if, if you're just gonna, if you're just gonna talk, that I would ask that you don't do that in here, that you go to the foyer. And I understand, maybe that, that's a, a little bit of a hard statement maybe, and a little bit of a tough stance to take. I didn't want to offend anybody for sure, but um, we need to understand that only those that are going to be serious about prayer need to be in the sanctuary. If we're not going to be serious about prayer, then stay in the foyer. But what I want you to understand is that I don't say those things from a place of anger. I'm not mad. I say those things from a foundation of Scripture. How many know if we're a Bible church, we can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to be obedient and which parts of the Bible we want to look like. Because if somebody is in the room, the sanctuary, prayer service, and they're just talking, you know, talking about their day, or, you know, I see people on their phones, not engaged with what God is desiring to do. They don't have a, enough passion for the service and for the souls to really get plugged in and pray with fervency. Then how many know that that person's actions are showing that they don't have a real faith for the service. Am I right? They don't have a real belief for the service. They did not come with an expectancy. They're just here, whatever happens, happens. And I'm just here kind of talking and doing whatever. And whatever happens in the service, I'm just glad to be here. So they don't have an expectancy. They don't have a faith for what God is wanting to do in the room. I want you to look at what Jesus did when he was confronted with that type of attitude. I'm still talking about altar working because prayer service dictates in many ways what's going to happen in the altar. Look at what Jesus did when he was confronted with that kind of attitude. Mark chapter 5 and verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. So he shows up, this, this girl, everybody thinks she's dead. He said she's not dead. He wants to do a miracle in her life. But they lacked faith to believe that God is going to do anything in the room. They have no expectancy that God is going to do anything in the room. And so, look at what the Bible says. 
They laughed him to scorn. So you know what he did? He put them all out in the foyer. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. But when he had put them all out, he said, okay, listen. Now, he didn't yell at them and scream at them. He wasn't, you know, he just said, listen, we're trying to accomplish something in this room that is miraculous and supernatural. Those of you that want to have the faith to believe for that and show it by your actions, you get to stay in the room. But if you don't want to do that, just go outside. In a little while, the miracle's gonna happen and you can come back in and rejoice with it. And you can celebrate the dead girl coming back alive again. You just don't get to be in the room when it happens and when it, the atmosphere is created for it to happen. Now, hallelujah. So he put them all out, and he took the father and the mother of the damsel. He said, you guys get to stay because of your faith and your expectancy. And them that were with him, he said, you guys get to stay too. I read your hearts. I understand your actions show that you have faith and you have belief that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. You guys have to go out there. You guys stay here. It's not because I'm picking and choosing. It's because of what you've decided. I didn't decide. You've decided with your actions, and your actions have determined where you need to be in the moment of the miraculous. He said, you guys go out there. You guys get to stay here. And then the miracle happened, and he raised her up, and the miracle took place. It wasn't personal. The reality was that Jesus wanted to do something great in the house, and some people's actions were going to hinder that, and some people's actions were going to help that. And so he said, if you're going to hinder, you go out there. If you're going to help, you stay in here. Oh, hallelujah. And so these are, this is why I said, what, so don't get offended, please. Don't get offended or don't get mad at me for, 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 for saying these things. I would just say, instead of getting offended, just start praying. We're not asking you to do anything we're not asking everybody else to do. We're not asking you to do some crazy thing that the word of the Lord is not asking all of us to do. Somebody said amen. So whether it's a Sunday or a Thursday or a service, sometime next year, I, I don't want to be on the outside looking in. I want to be on the inside of what God is doing. I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. I don't want to have to have God say, no, no, you go, you go out there because of your lack of faith and your lack of unbelief. I want my prayer to show, my intensity of prayer, my fervency of prayer to show God, God, I believe you're going to do something awesome, miraculous, supernatural in the house tonight. Today, whatever the case is, I believe I'm going to show you with the fervency of my prayer. I'm going to help create an atmosphere for you to work your work. Is that all right? So now, and, and, and I need, I'm still talking about altar working, but I need somebody to understand why I'm so passionate about our prayer service. And you guys have to understand, you know, the, the revival that I just came from. The, the reason I was there in the first place is because of our prayer services. And there's these young pastors, and not even just young, but pastors in our district that are seeing and hearing what we have. And they're saying, we want you to come and we want you to try to impart some of this stuff to us. And so you got to understand why I'm so passionate. The reason I'm so passionate about it is because 
That is what is modeled to us in Scripture. I want to do what the Bible tells us to do. I want this church to do what the Bible tells us to do. I'm not trying to be a hard-nosed dictator, whatever that word is. Yeah, that word. And just force people to do whatever. No, I'm honestly trying to be obedient to the word of the Lord. And I'm trying to help us all be obedient to the word of the Lord. Watch this. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. Somebody say one accord. In one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and fell all the house where they were sitting. Notice, it was not enough that they were all just in one place. It's not enough to just be in the room. It's not enough that a good percentage of our church shows up in the same place at the time of prayer. That's not biblically what is modeled to us to follow. For the Bible specifically tells us that they were in one accord in that one place. And that phrase, one accord, is a very powerful phrase because it signifies that all of their minds, affections, desires, and wishes were concentrated on one object and one object alone, and that was for the outpouring of God's Spirit in their midst. That's what that phrase means. One accord. It means they were all thinking the same thing. They all had the same passion. They all had the same drive. It wasn't a few people over here and a few people over here and some on their phones and some talking about the day or the week or the plans for after church or how cute the baby is. One accord, one passion, one thought. They had one end in view. They had one desire, one prayer the Spirit of God to move and be made manifest in the house. There were no lukewarm people praying on the day of Pentecost. There were no unconcerned people praying on the day of Pentecost. They were all in earnest, praying in the Spirit until the power of Almighty God came down. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful for the prayer services we have. Sister Vivian, you've helped us and, and, and led us beautifully for so many years. But when I read this, I understand we're, we're, we're headed in the right direction, but we got a long way to go. What would happen, Brother Ron, if everybody, Jesus, what would happen if everybody that showed up for prayer service was in one accord and one mind and we all had a passion and we were all praying fervent, fervently with a belief for an outpouring of the spirit of almighty God. What would happen in our services? What kind of greater miracles could we see? What kind of greater things could we accomplish? What kind of greater apostolic dimensions could we walk in if it wasn't just a handful, if it wasn't just 20%? 
But 100% of the people in the room said, we're on a mission. I'm praying with fervency. I'm praying with unction. I'm praying with power. I've got a belief. Miracles are going to happen today. Signs and wonders are going to happen today. People are going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said amen. Now, now I'm going to challenge us because it's one thing when the pastor preaches that to stand and clap. It's another thing to carry it out in reality. Because sometimes we're tired. and Sometimes we've had bad days. And sometimes we just don't feel like it. And sometimes it's easier to let sister so-and-so carry the weight. And so we just got to, we're here, but we're just kind of standing. Jesus, God, touch us today, Lord. But what would happen if every service we came with the one accord? Fervency. Ooh. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. Intensity. Intensity. Expected God. Expected God. What are you believing for? I'm believing for God to show up in a powerful way. What are you believing for? Same thing. What are you believing for? Same thing. What are you believing for? Same thing. And I'm not just saying it with my words. I'm showing it with the fervency of my prayer. Somebody said amen. So this is, this is, this is the mark. This is the mark. If you want to know what a prayer service biblically should look like, that's it. That's the mark. That's where we need to be striving towards. That's what we need to be looking towards. And how many know you can't do that with just 10% of the people? 20% of the people. They were all in one accord. Oh, hallelujah. So that was modeled to us by our apostolic brothers and sisters in the book of Acts. That's what was modeled to us. It wasn't modeled to us for no reason. It was modeled to us so that we would do what they did. I mean, oh, it doesn't change just because it's 2022. 20, it doesn't change. This is the model. It doesn't matter what your schedule looks like. It doesn't matter what my schedule looks like. None of these things change biblical narratives and what is modeled biblically to us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We change for this. This doesn't change for us. Oh, hallelujah. So whatever we got to do to change in order to follow after the model is what we have to do. Because the model is not going to change. The word is forever settled. When the Lord wanted to show the New Testament church what a prayer service looks like, he said, here you go. Plain, black and white. Read it for yourself. That's what it's to look like. And now you and I have a responsibility to do it. Oh, hallelujah. And how many know when we do it, like they did in the book of Acts, we're probably going to start seeing book of Acts stuff. Hallelujah. Everybody shouts about Book of Acts stuff, but until we start doing what they did, we're never going to see what they saw. 
It's not enough. I'm just so, I'm, so, I'm tired of this one-day business. You know, we talked about this before. I'm so tired of this one-day stuff. One day we're going to see Book of Acts stuff. No, we're not if we keep doing what we're doing. You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to have what you've always had and seen what you've always seen at whatever level you've seen it at. But if we can start doing what they did instead of just talking about seeing what they saw, oh, hallelujah, then we'll start seeing it. And I want to see it. And this is a great church, and our prayer services is great, and they're wonderful. But you, know, you, know, you want to know what one of our uh, 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 problems would be? is the fact that we've got such a great prayer service compared to maybe a lot of other churches that we can rest on that. And we can say, man, I've been to a lot of other churches and their prayer service ain't near like ours. They don't even have prayer service. They don't even have whatever. So we're, re- we're doing really good. And what, 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 what would we be doing if we thought like that? We would be comparing ourselves to others instead of the model. I don't want to compare myself to anybody else, to any other church, to any other prayer, whatever. I want to compare myself to the model. And when we compare ourselves to the model, we realize, hey, we're doing some good things and we're heading in the right direction and I thank God for every one of you and your sacrifice and your dedication, but guess what? We got, we got some work to do. We got some work to do, and that's okay. Nobody's upset. We're going in the right direction. We're doing good. We just can't stop, and we just can't be satisfied because all of that which happens in prayer service affects what happens here. Somebody said amen. All right, so now we're moving through. We're we're moving through the service. Prayer service is ended. Okay, prayer service is ended at whatever point that is. And the spirit at that point through prayer is going to lead us, right? To lead us to do whatever we're going to do next. And that's either going to be probably either uh, singing, praise and worship unto the Lord, or to go right into a time of preaching. If we do move into a time of praise and worship, it is vitally important that we understand that what we're doing is way more than just singing songs, clapping hands, waving our arms. It's way more than that. It's way more than just singing some songs. We need to have a real revelation of the word of the Lord when it says this in Psalms 149 and verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To do what? To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. Now watch verse 8. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor, this honor, this ability, this calling, this right has been given to all his saints. Do we have any saints of the Lord in the house? So get this. The honor and the privilege that has been bestowed upon you and I, upon the saints of God, is that when we give praise and worship unto the Lord with intensity, with passion, with depth, with fervency, 
it then has the power to move into a spiritual dimension and bind the king of this world in this room with chains and put every demonic spirit in this room in fetters of iron. You see what I'm talking about when I say it's more than just singing a song. It's more than just clapping the hand. But if it is done correctly, and if it is not performance-driven, because if it's performance-driven, what you get is the accolades of men, and it stays in a fleshly dimension. But if it is done correctly, fervently, passionately, righteously, from a holy heart, from a holy place, that praise moves into a dimension of the spirit. And it binds the work of the adversary in this church. It binds the lies of the enemy. It stops the attack of the adversary. In this service. Oh, hallelujah. When it is done from a place of true worship. Not shallow. Not shallow, but real, genuine worship. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, some of you didn't, would never know this. It happened, it happened years ago. But we had, we had two ladies visit one Sunday. Hadn't been back since. Visited one Sunday. And one of them, man, she, was, she, she had all kind of demonic spirits at work in her life. And I'll never forget this. It was during altar or worship or something. It might have been worship. Place just exploding. Everybody's coming down. And these two ladies come down. And I'll never forget. One of the ladies that had the demonic stuff on her, she falls to the ground. I think it was about right there. She falls to the ground. Just falls. And I walk by her, and I, I'll never forget this. She's going like this. You could tell she wants so badly to, to say something, to, to scream out, to whatever. But I walked by, and she was just going, like that. She, she was straining so hard. But all that would come out was just like, that's it. She doesn't make a sound. That's all. That's all she does. Doesn't affect nothing. We close, we close the service, and they're walking out. It was so funny. I just happened to be by, and I heard it. The other lady, her friend, I heard her say, what was wrong with you today? She said, back at home, you're the loudest one in church. You know what it was? Some real genuine praise went forth. And somebody that had been sent to distract and to hinder, praise went forth and some chains got around her. <laughs> and say, you ain't going to do that today. You're not going to do that today. You're just going to sit right here and you're going to be quiet and you're not going to mess up nothing. Because God's going to do his work and you're not going to hinder it. Why? Because some people decided to 
genuinely, passionately praise and worship God Almighty. It's more than singing a song. It's more than clapping the hand. It's more than playing an instrument. Come on. It's got to be powerful. It's got to be like fire shut up in our bones. It's got to be an understanding where we're not just saying praise word and thinking about where we're going to go eat after dinner or after service. No, where we got to get lost in the presence of Almighty God, where we are totally lost in His presence and in His power. And we're singing and giving praise and worshiping and clapping and dancing and shouting and running under the anointing and the power of Almighty God. Stops it. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. How many know that when these people show up, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, these people are going to show up and they're going to have all kinds. The enemy is going to be so at work in their life. So it work. And what they need the most is for you and I to become so passionate with our praise and so intense with our worship that it releases the Holy Ghost to bind the work of the enemy in their life for this period of time. To give them clarity to say yes to Jesus. Now, if they want to pick the Spirit back up after they leave the doors... That's on them. But what we need to do is create an environment and an atmosphere through prayer and praise and worship where we give them a space of grace, where they have the ability to choose Jesus because the adversary has been put aside for a season of time and now God is saying you can freely make the choice without any adversarial obstruction you can make the choice. Who will you serve? Oh, hallelujah. So we're still talking about altar working. And many times it's in the altar when they make the choice. So how are they going to be able to make the choice if they don't have a space of grace? And how, do, how are they going to have a space of grace? It's because we give praise and worship unto the Lord. Somebody said amen. And I got to hurry. Not only that, but please remember this, and I'll just say this and we'll move on. Psalms 22 and 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Speaking of the Lord, the Bible tells us that God inhabits, he dwells, he releases himself into the atmosphere that was created through the praises of his people. How many know you can't heal one person and neither can I? You can't deliver one person and neither can I. You can't save Fill one person with the gift of the Holy Ghost and neither can I. We need to release God into the atmosphere. Out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. This is a spake of the Holy Ghost. We've got to release it through our praise and worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when we release him through praise and worship into this atmosphere, we release him to heal, deliver, set the captive free. This is why it's all so important. So now the praise and, praise and worship service is over. And the preaching of God's word has begun. Now hear me very carefully. As it relates to the vision that God has given us for Sunday, I want you to know, I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be preaching anything new. I'm telling you right now. 
I'm going to be talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be talking about the need for the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to be talking about how to receive the Holy Ghost. Has anybody ever heard that talked about before? If you've been in church any length of time at all, you've heard those things talked about hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And yet, if people, this is important, now listen, if people who need the Holy Ghost are going to respond in prayer in the altar, it's going to be because those that have the Holy Ghost responded with some amens in the preaching. This is more important than what you think it is. Please don't have that attitude some people have. Yeah, that preacher, he just can't do nothing unless I amen him. He's always begging for an amen. You, you, you missed the whole thing. Do a little study on some stuff. You got to understand about how there is, a, there, is a, there is a vertical anointing and there's a horizontal anointing. And if you want your pastor to be anointed when he preaches, the vertical anointing, you don't have nothing to do with that. But you do have a lot to do with the horizontal anointing. And a lot of times I preach with the vertical anointing and not the horizontal, not necessarily in this church. But, but oh boy, you get the vertical and the horizontal flowing at the same time. Woo! It's awesome. I've thought about jumping off this platform before. Then I looked down I thought, no. I'm not 20 anymore. Let me just take the stairs. But that's what you feel like doing at least. And that horizontal and ver- anyway. So, but it's important. It is important that, that we understand that when I preach this Sunday and really when I preach anytime, but when or when anybody preaches for that matter, next Sunday, this Sunday, whatever, especially when it comes to repentance, water baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, it's vitally important that you stand and clap, shout, get excited about the word. Of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Please don't think, well, I mean, we all know who this message is for, so I'm just going to sit here and, you know, hopefully they're getting it. Please don't do that. You have to understand your part. Your part. You play a vital part in the altar. And a lot of it has to do with how you respond as a 30-year-old veteran of this thing. Okay? That when the preacher's talking about the Holy Ghost, man, yes, amen, oh, hallelujah, because you've experienced it for yourself to be true. Oh, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah. When I talk about, when, you know, if I say something like, man, the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that's ever happened, I shouldn't have to say, come on, church, don't you believe that? I shouldn't have to, when I say, especially Sunday, but for all the time, when I say the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that's ever happened, man, we should be on our, yes, amen, hallelujah. Come on, just because we've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years, it shouldn't have been diminished in our lives. It should still be the greatest thing that's ever happened. We should still know that it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
So make sure, make sure on Sunday when I talk about these things that you respond just like that. Loudly. With passion and exuberance. Because these, these guests, they don't know. They don't know. Some of them are going to be hearing about the Holy Ghost for the first time. And all of a sudden, you're, I'm going to say, man, the great, Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And they're going to be sitting there, and all of a sudden, you guys are going to be like, Wah! And they're going to be like, oh, my word. It, it must be true. That really must, whatever that Holy Ghost thing is, I don't really know exactly what it is yet, but these people are very excited about it. And see how that can start building some faith? Because that person who doesn't even really know a lot about it, they're saying, man, if all these people are so excited about it, I think I might want something like that. Oh, hallelujah. You see how the part you play is so important? Oh, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. It's vitally important that we mix our faith with the word first so that the guests can mix their faith with the word second. They, need, they don't know how to mix faith with the word. They need to see it modeled to them. So let's mix our faith. Amen. I believe that. The Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Praise God. We're mixing our faith with the word of the Lord. We model to them what it looks like to put our faith and our confidence in the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And again, that looks like standing. It looks like clapping. It looks like saying amen loud enough for people around you to hear it. Not just amen. Amen. So people around you can hear you saying an amen. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that, preacher. Good preaching, preacher. That's so true, preacher. That's what it looks like. Excitement about the preaching of the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We need to show them. We need to show them how precious the gift of the Holy Ghost is. Somebody said amen. Everybody good? So now I'm done preaching, and I'm about to make the altar appeal, okay? Now, let me stop here. We addressed this a couple years ago. We need to address it again. And, and you're, you're doing it, but you don't, you're not doing it. Let me just tell you what you're doing, some people. I get done preaching, and I say, let's all stand. And that's when about six people decide this is the time I've been waiting for to go use the restroom. I didn't want to go use the restroom when he was preaching because I didn't want to distract. But now that everybody's standing, now I'm going to go use the restroom. It would have been better if you left when I was preaching. That is the absolute worst time you could ever choose to go use the restroom. Okay? That's the worst time. I know some of you do it, you, you, you're not doing it on purpose. You just don't necessarily know, so I'm trying to help you. That's the worst time because that moment right there, when I say let's all stand, that moment right there is a very serious and it is a very sensitive moment. 
And in that moment, we need the least amount of distractions as we can possibly have. Okay? The least amount of distractions. So now, this now this Sunday's appeal might look a little different than other Sunday's appeal, and that's completely fine. They might look different every Sunday. But this Sunday, I will more than likely, I just want to kind of let you know what's going to happen so you can be prepared. This Sunday, I will more than likely have all those that would desire to be filled or refilled with the Holy Ghost to come down front. I may even ask you, turn to the person who brought you or turn to the person that you brought and ask somebody around you if they want this Holy Ghost that the preacher's been talking about and that God has promised to them, do they want to receive this gift, this precious gift called the Holy Ghost? And if they do, I may, I may do this, to have you ask them that. And if they say yes, then you bring them down. You bring your guests down. You bring your visitor down. You bring your neighbor down. And you come down and say, I'm going to come down and pray with you. Now, so now, hopefully there's a bunch, in Jesus' name, there's going to be a bunch of people up here at that point. And once we're all up here on the altar, I will give instructions on what it looks like to repent. I will give instructions on how to repent, what it looks like to repent, what repentance is, the necessity of repentance in order to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that moment, again, is very important that we don't just sit there as saints, that we don't just sit there and wait for the guests to repent. Okay, so I got him up here now, preacher. Now, okay, he's going to talk to you about repentance. Now, you need to repent. I'm going to stand here and wait. Okay? Again, we have to model to them what repentance looks like. And the reality is, is we all just need to repent anyway. It's not that we're saying something that we don't need to do. Just so somebody can see how to do it, we all need to repent. And so there needs to be a very powerful moment of repentance that sweeps through this place, okay? And you're going to have to help with that. There needs to be a spirit of repentance that sweeps across this room. So it can't just be, God, forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. God, forgive me, Jesus. It needs to be very serious, very sincere, okay? In in repentance. And so we're going to repent. Atmosphere of repentance is going to sweep the house. And once we've repented, I'm hurrying. Once we've repented, I'll give some instructions for what to do next. In fact, throughout the altar call, I may stop. Everybody, hey, stop. I'm going to give some instruction. This is important. I'm going to throw a lot of, lot of stuff at you here in the next few minutes. But I may stop everybody to give instruction, feel led of the Lord to give direction or feel instruction. It is vitally important that when I'm giving instruction that everyone is listening to me. Okay? Now that's not just on Pentecost Sunday. That's on all the time. And that's not just me. That's any person in spiritual authority that feels to give direction to the body. It's very important that we are all, we stop what we're doing and we listen to the instruction that spiritual authority is given to us. Amen? It's also vitally important that when spiritual authority is giving direction and instruction, no one else is giving instruction. So we've had it before where I have said, let me have all your attention. I feel like I'm, I, I, 
got some direction for the Lord and somebody's been praying for somebody over here or wherever it was and they just continue talking to the person and giving instruction to the person. That is out of line, okay? That is out of line. If I or anybody in spiritual authority says, let me have everyone's attention, we need to give them our attention, okay? I'm not saying you might not have a word for them or instruction. You just keep it, and that word will still be there after spiritual authority word is done. Somebody said amen. Is that okay? How many know that's causing, that, would, that would cause confusion? You got some guest, and, and you're talking in this ear, and I'm talking up here, and they're trying to listen to both. That's confusion, and that's not what that person needs. So we've all repented. I've given instruction about the necessity of worship in order to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've repented, and now it's time to praise God to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then I'm going to pray the prayer of faith with instructions for all of us that when I conclude the prayer of faith, that we are all going to lift our voices loudly and we're going to begin to praise and worship the Lord. We are going to shout unto God again, that is not just for the people needing the Holy Ghost. We need everybody, everybody, everybody to shout, to model, to, to praise and worship the Lord, to create that atmosphere. It's very important that you do not lay hands on the individual that you've brought up. You do not lay hands on them and begin to pray for them before I pray the prayer of faith. So you come up, you stand beside them. Okay? We'll all repent together. They can hear that. And then I will give the I will pray the prayer of faith. And then we will shout unto God and we will give, give praise unto the Lord and begin to praise and worship. And at that moment, when we begin to shout and praise God, that's the moment that you are to lay your hands on them and begin to pray with fervency for God to fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? Amen. Now we're going to get into some instructions here now. It's 8.48. I know what time it is. We're going to get into some instruction here now about uh, laying hands on people and working for the Lord in the altars to help somebody have a, a powerful encounter with the Lord. We're going to try to get through this quickly, but take notes. This is all important stuff. The first thing, here's the first thing you have to make sure of before you go lay hands on people. Acts chapter 8, verse 17. Then they put their hands on them and said, the Holy Spirit came on them. These are the apostles, and they prayed for people. They laid their hands on them, the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the touch of the apostles' hands, he made them an offering of money, saying, Give me this power so that when I put my hands on somebody, that they can also get the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. But Peter said, May your money come to destruction with you, because you have the idea that what is freely given by God may be got for a price. And watch verse 21. You have no part in this business because your heart is not right before God. The first thing we need to know is that we have no business laying our hands on anyone if our heart is not right with God. Okay? We have no business. If you got ought against somebody, you have no business praying for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. If you're angry against somebody, you got a bad attitude towards somebody, you don't like somebody, you have no business praying for somebody to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? Is that biblical? We should not be praying for anyone if we have unconfessed sin, if we have unrepented sin. That's why prayer service is so important. 
Let's get that stuff cleaned out. Let's get that stuff forgiven. Let's go to the brother or the sister and make it right. Let's ask God to help us and forgive us and wash us and cleanse us. Let's get it all taken care of so that when the time comes and there's people whose souls are on the line, God can trust us and use us to lay our hands on them and pray for them. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I, f- I feel strongly now about this. You're going to be hindering on Sunday. If you got issues against brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you're like, ah, that's not going to affect this. The feeling I have towards the pastor or the feeling I had towards a brother or a sister, that's not going to affect my ability to pray somebody through the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, it will. And, you, and you're playing games with somebody's eternity. Somebody else who is prayed up and don't have unrepentant sin in their life, they could be praying for that person and that person could be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and receive what they need. You understand how serious all this is? So make it right or don't pray for nobody. Okay? Jesus' name. Again, that's why prayer service is so important. Just get it right. Just do what the Bible tells you to do. I need to do what the Bible tells me to do so that our sin will be covered, forgiven, and then we can pray for people. Amen. Okay, so here's some things we don't want you to do as you pray for somebody, altar working. Here's some things we don't want you to do as you pray for somebody who's seeking the Holy Ghost or seeking a touch from God. Don't yell in their ear. Okay? Just don't. And listen, we're not getting on to anybody. I'm just, we're just trying to help us. Okay? We're just trying to help us. Now, I don't, I don't know if we'll have music or not, but, you know, if we do and there's a bunch of, even if we don't have music, there's a bunch of people praying, and so it's, it's, it can get loud, right? And so, Whatever you do, don't yell in their ears, okay? And how many know that could be super distracting, super distracting to somebody? Don't yell in their ear. Just talk loud enough so they can hear you, okay? Just loud enough for them to be able to hear you, okay? You don't have to, you don't have to pat their back. You don't have to massage their shoulders. You don't got to rub up and down on their arms, whatever. Okay, we, we don't have to do, we don't have to do those things. See, here's the thing we have to remember. And as I was putting some of this together, I, I don't think any, any, of, any of you do that. Uh, you, you just, you, we, we just don't think about it. We don't do it to be malicious. We don't do it to, to hinder. But what happens is we've been in church so long that like patting us on the back, we don't even think about it. Right? For the most part, you know, we can have 37 people praying for us. It's like, it's no big deal, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for the prayer. But what we, have to, what we have to think about is what does this look like through the eyes of a guest, not through the eyes of somebody who's been in church for 15 years. That's what you got to think about. Because it may be totally normal to us, you know. It's like, this. okay, okay. So, you know, was that last year, whatever, we did foot washing. Okay, if you've been in church any length of time at all, you talk about foot washing, it's like, okay, yeah, foot washing. But I wish I had a camera up here when I announced foot washing and we had, like, guests in the room. Can you imagine how weird an announcement of foot washing is? 
to somebody who doesn't know nothing about it? That's got to be the most bizarre, crazy thing. And we're just like, oh, yeah, foot washing. See, but if you think, you got to think about it through the eyes of a guest. So this, <laughs> this applies to altar working too. Think about it through the eyes of a guest, what they feel, what they think, okay? So don't pat their back, massage their shoulders, whatever. Now, also, you don't have to shake the Holy Ghost into them, okay? You don't have to shake the Holy Ghost into them. <laughs> Shaking them harder is only going to hinder them. It's not going to help them. It's just going to hinder them. All right? Another thing is, we don't need to mess their hair up. Okay? God, don't mess my hair up when you pray for me. I mean, I work hard on this. But some people do. Some people actually have hair. And they comb it. And they want to look nice, especially a guest. You know, they're around all these people they don't know. They want to look nice, whatever. And then we're just like, how many know, and there's no way they can concentrate on prayer. No way. And we got to think about all this kind of stuff. Don't mess their hair up. If you're going to anoint them, use oil, not spit. Praise him. Praise him. Come on. And, and come on, let's just be real. You know, a lot of times in the altar, it's a close contact deal, right? There's a lot of people, and we're trying to get close. Now, think about it. I mean, how in the world is this individual going to pray if they feel like water droplets all over? Come on, I know it's gross, but it's gross for them too. It's gross just me saying it. What is it like to feel it? So, it's going to be distracting. So, do, do your best. Don't, don't, be, don't be spitting on people, all right? Don't be spitting on people. Here, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Don't put words in their mouth. Never, ever, 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 ever say, repeat after me. Okay? Don't ever say that. Don't ever say, repeat after me. Don't ever say, and I don't think you, anybody would, but I'm just going to say it just in case. Don't ever say something like, say, la, 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 la. You know, because, you know, I've heard people do that because they're like, no, it's not the Holy Ghost, but, but if you can get them kind of in the right direction of that by saying some of that stuff, maybe they'll slip into the Holy Ghost. I think that one could have went without saying, but I thought, ah, let me just say it. So, uh, yeah, don't ever say repeat after me. You can tell them, hey, here, here's, a, here's, you need to praise God. And sometimes, I mean, no, some people don't even know what praise words are. So it's totally fine to say, here's, here's a praise word you can use. Hallelujah is the highest form of praise. Say, I love you, Jesus. You can, you know, but don't say repeat after me. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't do that. And then you just worship along with them. And they hear your worship and they hear your praise and they can begin to follow that and say some of those things as well. Okay? Now this, this is very important. This kind of goes back to the shaking stuff. But you got to remember, don't dance and shout and get blessed 
while you're praying for somebody. You have to remember, this is not about us. Okay? This is about them. And so, you know, and, and listen, I've been there. I've been there. You get so excited. But, you know, you're, you're come on, Jesus. <laughs> You know? And you got to just get lost. And you start dancing, shouting everywhere, and this person's like, oh, my, what's going on? You, I mean, know the spirit of the prophet, subject to the prophet. And so it is that you, you, can, you can rein that stuff in as you're praying for people and understanding that, listen, this isn't about me. It's about this person. It's about this person. Amen. It's not about you getting blessed. It's about them getting blessed. Now, how many, we're going to get blessed anyway, but that's not the point of this. Somebody said amen. So I, you know, you get excited and all of a sudden your hand just starts doing that. And, you know, and again, we're not doing it maliciously. We just get so excited. We're, man, this person's about to get the Holy Ghost. And we just, their whole body's shaking. And then, we're, and then we wonder like, man, they were so close. I don't know what happened. I, don't, I have no idea what happened. Quickly, as we're moving along, listen, as you're praying for them, you don't need to be singing whatever song's being sung. Okay? Let the singer sing. You just pray. You just pray. The other thing is this. Don't speak in tongues the whole time. Okay? You don't need to speak in tongues the whole time that, that you're praying for them. Sometimes you have to give them some, some direction. And you can't give them direction in tongues. Okay? So it's not wrong to speak in tongues. In fact, it, it can be helpful. But just a little. Here, there, a little bit. Praise, worship the Lord. If you want to feel to speak in tongues for a little bit, go ahead. Give direction, give instruction, whatever. But just don't talk in tongues the whole time. It's called Altoids. Cinnamon, spearmint. And it's called Right Guard. Or Sure, or Degree. If you're going to pray for somebody, you don't want to stink. And you don't want your breath to stink. All right? So make sure you make sure you take care of all that stuff. Now, now, now I, I want to deal with something quickly. And like I said, we don't deal with this stuff all the time. So just, just hang with me and we'll get out, get out eventually, okay? But I, I, quickly, I, I'm, I'm, I am hurrying. But I, I want to cover something. And, and because it's happened in the church, in this church, a couple of different occasions. And so I just want to cover this. Don't get offended at other people that may be working the altars with you. Okay? It's very important that we remember that altar services are not about us. It's not about our ability to give somebody the Holy Ghost or to give some. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the gifted one in the altars. And so we, we have, you know, it's almost like a pride thing. 
And then how many know your heart's not right? You shouldn't probably be praying for people anyway. It's all about that person's encounter with the Lord. That's what the whole thing is about. It's not about who's praying for them. And I, I've, seen, I've seen these jokers that, you know, they pray, pray for somebody and they fall out. You know, they lay hands on somebody and they fall out. And then the guy turns around like, it's like, what did, what did you do? You didn't do nothing. It was the Holy Ghost. Why are you taking credit for that? You know, like, yeah, look at what I just did. And how many know that's not right? That's not right. And so we can't be offended. We, we've, we've had people, uh, and, and right now I promise you I'm not thinking of a particular individual. Or I promise you I'm not. But we've had people that get offended and have been offended in the past because someone felt led of the Holy Ghost to pray for the person that they were currently praying for. And so they would go up and they'd be like, hey, let, let, me, let me pray for them. And they maybe would feel led of the Holy Ghost to go. They would feel direction, divine direction to go pray for them. And the person who was currently praying for them got offended. Like, what, am I not good enough to pray for them? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Now, I would say this. If, don't, don't go and pull somebody else off from praying for somebody if you aren't if you don't fully feel divinely led of the Holy Ghost to do so. But you should be able to tell that person, I feel very strong of the Holy Ghost that I'm supposed to pray for this person right now. And the person who's currently praying for them should say, absolutely. You just step back and you be submitted to your brother or sister in the Lord. Because it's not about, we're, none of us get credit. We don't get credit like, how many did you pray through? Well, I got 437. How many do you pray through? It, we don't get credit for this because we don't give him the Holy Ghost anyway. He does. So what does it matter if it's my hand or your hand? doesn't matter. If somebody feels led of the Holy Ghost to pray for him, let them pray for him. Let them pray for him. How many knows some, you know, people are just different. And, and I mean, there's some people I can connect with in prayer and other people I just don't feel like I can connect, connect with in prayer. And maybe, maybe I have the things I've gone through connect better with certain people and other people I haven't gone through some of those things and maybe Sister Kim has gone through those things and so she can connect better with that person I, I would be I would be wrong uh, ignorant of me to say no I'm going to pray for this person when she's gone through stuff in her life that could help her pray for that person so much better than I could I would be out of line and for sure I'd be out of line if I got offended at her Right? Now, again, if you're going to do that, you need to have a good reason. You don't just go around, hey, no, um, let me pray for her. You need to be able to have a good reason for why you're doing it. But if somebody does that, just trust them. Just trust them. This isn't a competition. It's not a competition. Just trust them. Just trust them. Yeah, come on. You feel it? By all means, have at it. Is that Okay. Hallelujah. The other thing is this. Maybe you are doing something wrong. Maybe you are praying for somebody wrong. Okay? Shaking, whatever. I don't know. But maybe you are. And somebody comes up and asks you to stop. And they start praying for you. Don't be offended at that. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Now make sure the person is wrong before you stop them. And you might want to get... Uh, 
know, an elder involved in this and say, hey, are, are you seeing this? Is, you know, whatever. To get some protection there and a covering. But if, some, if, you're, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I, w- I want you to stop, and I'll talk to you after church of why I want you to stop. If they do that, don't get offended. Don't be like, oh, I was trying to pray for the minister, and that church doesn't believe in me, and they told me to stop, so I'm never going back to the church. That's the worst possible thing you could ever do. You want to know why? Because the next church you're going to go to, you're going to pray for somebody wrong there too. Because you're never going to learn how to do it right. So don't look at it as a negative thing and don't get offended. Look at it and say, you know what? Thank you so much. Thank you for addressing this issue because I want to be the best altar worker I can possibly be. And if I'm doing something wrong, I want somebody to tell me. And I want somebody to show me how to do it the right way. So thank you so much for stopping me from praying for that person because the last thing I would ever want to do is hinder somebody from experiencing a touch from God. Do you see the proper attitude to have? Amen. Okay, I know what time it is. Quickly, here we go. I think I'm on second to last page and we'll be done. Instructing a seeker. Here we go. When you're praying for them to receive the Holy Ghost, keep your eyes and your ears open. Don't just be like, oh, Jesus. Don't do that. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. The reason is, is because you need to know how to help this person, how to instruct this person. You need to know, as we're going to talk a little bit, when to instruct, when to encourage, when to whatever. And the only way you can do that is if your eyes are open, you're watching them, you're watching their body language, you're you're watching what they're doing, and you're hearing what they're saying. Okay? You cannot help them if you don't know what's going on. So keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. Stay focused on the individual. Number two, listen to what the seeker is saying. I just talked about this. Keep your ears open. But listen to what the seeker is saying. Specifically, are they worshiping the Lord? Listen to that. Are they worshiping the Lord? Are they giving praise unto God? Number three, speak in faith. Be positive. It's okay and it's a good thing to tell them as they're praying, you're doing great. God is so pleased with your worship right now. This is exactly what the Holy Ghost wants you to do. God is getting so much joy from your praise right now. That's the Holy Ghost you're feeling right now. You're not telling me you received the Holy Ghost. You're saying that's the Holy Ghost you feel right now. Encourage them. Speak in faith. I mean, no, again, for some of these, it's going to be their first time ever praying, especially for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So first, they don't have a clue how to do this. We've been doing it for 30 years. They don't have a clue. And how many know it's a good thing if they start doing something right for you to say, that's it, that's good. So they're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing right. And now they feel confident and comfortable, and they can continue down that path until God fills them with the Holy Ghost. Number four, give clear and easy to understand instruction. One person. Not three people given instruction. One person. One person. It's all it takes. One person. Now listen, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that we have so many people that want to pray for people on the altar. That's a good thing to have. But we need to remember that just because we might, I said it earlier, 
Just because we won't mind five people praying for us, that doesn't mean that a guest wouldn't mind. We got to remember that. I don't care if every single one of you surrounded me and laid your hands on me and prayed for you for me. I wouldn't care at all. But a guest probably would have a problem, some of them at least, with two people or three people or five people coming up and all everybody all over them. So we need to think about it through the eyes of a guest. Just have one person lay their hands on them. One person talking to them. One person instructing them. And if you don't feel like you're getting, you know, anywhere, you can get some help, pull somebody in, whatever. But one person. Amen. A lot of times what I'll do is if, if somebody's praying for them, I, you can come in beside and just create an atmosphere. Jesus, I love you, Lord. You know, so they're right here and praying for, Jesus, I love you, Lord. That's it. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank God. Whatever. Creating an atmosphere. Or if somebody's praying for them, a lot of times I'll come in and I'll lay my hands on the person who's laying their hands on the person. You know, that's not a problem. Lay your hand on them. You're still transmitting that faith through that individual. That's a good thing to do. Amen. This is also very, very important. When I say give clear instruction that is not in the form of a 10-minute Bible study. Now, this is very important. I need everybody to hear me. That's not in the form of a 10-minute Bible study. If they need instruction, if they need direction, it's very important that that instruction be quick, concise. Okay, here's what you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. Now let's do it. Give it a minute, 30 seconds, a minute instruction, and then say, all right, let's pray. Okay? And here's the reason why. Now, I, I am almost done. But there's a, there has been a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, and a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of faith that went into creating an apostolic environment in that moment for that person to pray, not for that person to listen to you for 15 minutes. Does that make sense? Now, you say, well, well, they, well they need a lot of knowledge. I get it. That's what Bible studies are for. Stay till 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Stay as long as you want. Talk to them after church as long as you want. Instruct them until they're blue in the face. But in that moment, you give short, quick, concise direction, and then say, let's pray. That's what that moment is for. It's for prayer, not Bible studies. Does that make sense? Okay. Number five, stay focused on the seeker that you are praying for. Don't look around. I'm praying for this, and I've been praying for, you know, a minute, and they haven't got it yet, so what's happening over there? Oh, I wonder what's happening. Oh, they're getting loud over there. Let me go over there and get, a, get involved in that. No, 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 don't do that. You stay with the person that you are praying for originally. Don't, don't look around. Don't lose interest. I mean, no, if you lose interest, they're going to lose interest. Don't lose it. That's good. That's good. Wherever they are. Other people might be getting the Holy Ghost just like that. Your person might not. But don't get discouraged. Remember, it's not about you. It's about this person. Okay? Don't talk to other people and all that kind of stuff. 
Don't leave a seeker until they are filled with the Holy Ghost or until they've quit praying. Stay with them. Work with them. Help them. Encourage them. Now, ministry, ministry, we may walk around and lay hands and lay hands and help and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, we're, we're, if you're praying for somebody, you stick with them. You help them. You go to war for that person. Okay? Go to war for that person until either they quit praying or until they're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on the top of the head, top of the shoulder. Okay? We need to be very careful about all that. And when we're laying hands. That's very biblical. We're transmitting faith. Again, we need to remember that just because it would be okay for somebody to come up and touch me in the small of my back doesn't mean it's okay for a guest. Okay? And I, I asked my wife about this, and, and you maybe you have a difference of opinion on this, but from, from a lady's perspective, I know I've, I've seen a lot of ladies kind of put your hand right here or whatever. And again, if you've been in church and you know that dear sister and you guys have been friends for 20 years, it's probably okay. But you got to remember from a guest perspective, somebody laying, especially a woman, laying your hand right here, it could be very uncomfortable. Okay? And so you, you, need, you need to think about these things and just keep the hands top of the head, top of the shoulders where there's not going to be any issues and not going to be any problems. Is that good? Okay. Pray out loud with the, with the seeker. Don't scream, but pray out loud. No matter how excited you get, you don't need to scream and yell, but pray so that they can hear you. Again, speak in tongues a little. Now and then, let them hear that, but also give instruction and give worship with them. You also want to do this. and There's 12 and I'm on 10, okay? So we're, we're, we're coming to a close. You want to try to help them overcome any hindrances that they have. This, this is a part of going to war for this person, okay? So if their head's down, their arms are in close, they're just like this. No, lift your head. Lift your hands. So that's overcoming a hindrance. Help them with that. If their voice is real low and they're just whispering, say, no, 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 no. You, you lift up your voice. Lift up your head. Lift up your voice. Give God praise. Worship the Lord. If you see him kind of looking around, say, no, no, let's get focused. Close your eyes. Focus on Jesus right now. Okay? If they're not listening to instructions, try to get their attention. Say, it's very important if you're going to receive the Holy Ghost that you listen and obey what I'm trying to tell you right now. Okay? The other thing is this. Shouting and falling out is not the same as getting the Holy Ghost. Okay? It's not the same. So you need to say, no, 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 listen, why, why don't you stand up? We'll, sh we'll all shout in a minute. <laughs> we'll all shout in a minute. But shouting is not the same as getting the Holy Ghost. So let's stop shouting and let's get the Holy Ghost first, and then we'll just all shout together. See what I'm saying? you got to work them through these things, and you need to help them through these things. Everybody say repent. It is absolutely biblically impossible to receive the Holy Ghost if they have not repented. But you cannot receive the Holy Ghost if you keep repenting. You can't get it without it, but you can't get it if you keep doing it either. Because there has to, when that when that time comes for praise and worship, you need to be praising and worshiping, not asking God over and over and over to forgive you of something He forgave you four or five minutes ago. Okay? So if you see them and hear them, that's why you got to keep your eyes open, your ears open. If they keep repenting, you say, no, 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 you've already repented for that. God has forgiven you. Now just praise the Lord. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. When you see the Holy, I'm on 11. we got 12. 
When you see the Holy Ghost is on the individual, you'll know it. You'll know it. They have stammering lips. They're trembling. They're excited. You see it on their face. You see it in their body. It's hard for them to speak English. At that point, you need to help them. Encourage them. They're so close. Tell them. Say, let, let, let your voice out loud. Let your tongue go. Let the Holy Ghost speak through you. This is what we talked about. Allow God to form the words. doesn't matter what it sounds like. Just let God speak through you. Say these things. Push them. Don't be afraid to speak out loud. Go ahead and speak out loud. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. Let it out. Let it out. See what I'm saying? Encourage them in those moments. Amen. And then once they've received the Holy Ghost, let us know. Let us know. They got the Holy Ghost. They just got the Holy Ghost. However you want to let us know. Now, don't come up and tell me that they got the Holy Ghost because I, I thought I heard them maybe say a word. Don't, don't do that. Because the worst thing that we could ever do is tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost when they really didn't. And the truth is, it's too real. It's too real for, for them to have some fake form of it. Okay? We, we don't have to try to convince. But if you know they received it, come and tell me. And then I can speak that over and that builds faith. This one, we just had one get the, we just had two get the Holy Ghost. And that builds faith in the room for people to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Stammering lips is not the same as talking in tongues. So don't come to me when the person's got stammering lips. That's not talking in tongues. You got to use wisdom. Somebody said amen. amen. Stand, stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging in there with me tonight. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And here's the thing is, as we close, this, this is great, and, and this is so very important. If someone is praying, and we're going to believe every single one of them are going to get the Holy Ghost. But how many know sometimes people just, some people get it quick, some people it's a little bit of a journey. What I want you to do, and the person you're praying for, if they pray, if they came down to the front, how many know that's a step closer than what they've ever done before? If they've prayed and cried and repented, if they don't get the Holy Ghost, Please don't look at them all dejected. That's the worst thing you could do. You know how that, that would make them feel so horrible, they'd probably never come back. But when they get done, you need to have the biggest smile on your face. If you can hug them, hug them, shake their hand. You prayed so awesome. Wasn't this amazing? This was the greatest. This is wonderful. I, they, whatever. Make them feel so great for the advancement spiritually that they made that day because they're going to leave encouraged and they're going to be like, now I want to go further. They encouraged me to this point, now I want to go further. Somebody said amen. Amen. I want us to pray, but I want us to pray specifically that God, this Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, now till Jesus comes, pray that God would help us to become effective altar workers. Can you do that? Can you lift your voice right now in dismissal? Pray that God would help you to be an effective altar worker.